Um, we, we have an opportunity, y'all, okay? Uh, we're all going to go board buses um, this afternoon, and we're going to head down as a group to Comerica Park. We're not going to see a Tigers game. They've, they've promised us just a sporting event, okay? And we got tickets enough for everybody, just 10 bucks each, okay? So it's going to be really good. So we, we go down, uh, we stop at Chick-fil-A. That's worth it all by itself, right, Ron? Uh, we get down there, and uh, as we get settled into our seats, Comerica Park, we notice nobody's in uniform. Matter of fact, uh, some people are in shorts and sandals. Some of the players are in sweats and sneakers. Few of them are in suits and ties. And you notice there's actually two guys in Carhartts and work boots. And, and it's really hard. You, you can't distinguish which team is on which team. You can't really tell. Um, as the game clock winds down to starting time, you notice some, some of the players are throwing a football around okay, on one side of the field. Others are in a circle. They're playing hacky sack. And you're going, what's going on here? Uh, three or four of them are tossing a Frisbee back and forth. Uh, there's actually two out there. The ones in Carhartts are playing catch with a baseball. Anyway, the referees blow the whistle, start the game, and you can't tell what's going on. You're looking out there and you go, what is this? Uh, no one seems to be paying much attention to the time or the refs. Some are sitting on the bench and they're drinking coffee. Others on the same bench are texting and looking at their phones. A few of them are off to the side talking to friends in the stands, okay? Soon, Ron, you notice three of the players in suit and ties are running down the middle of the field. You're not really sure what that's all about. Uh, some of them are still playing catch. Actually, four or five of them are over uh, with the refs and they're drinking beer together. And you're going, what kind of game is this? What's going on? Uh, and the hacky sack circle has now grown. There's actually seven or eight playing hacky sack. The entire 15-minute quarter goes by, and this chaos continues, okay? Uh, different games, four or five different games going on, no rules, the refs have made no calls. Now we're at the end of the first quarter. How many of you want to stay and watch another quarter? <laughs> okay, a few of you, yeah. How many of you want your 10 bucks back? <laughs> yeah, what, what is this, okay? I realize... Uh, this make-believe scenario can be a little foolish and silly, but can I suggest to you that's exactly the chaotic picture that mirrors our current culture. Here's what I mean by that. Everybody's doing their own thing. Everybody is uh, playing their own game, and matter of fact, the culture, you can't even agree on what game you should be playing. Once upon a time in our country, the dominant agreed-upon viewpoint uh, was the Bible. Everybody agreed the Ten Commandments, uh, God's Word, was our shared foundation. Even if you were an atheist or an agnostic back in the day, uh, even if you wanted nothing to do with Jesus or the church, the culture made the Judeo-Christian ethic the basis for our shared values and laws, okay? That's not true today. Today, pluralism has taken hold. Pluralism is the idea 
that there are multiple worldviews and they're all competing for the allegiance of the individual. And there's no single worldview dominant. They're all in competition. Therefore, everyone's convictions, everybody's views, everybody's forms of faith, they're all equal. There is not one that's dominant. That, that means what's true for you is not true for me. And what's true for me is not going to be true for you. Everybody is making up their own rules and deciding what exactly is their convictions. Anything goes seems to be the one rule as long as nobody gets hurt. And, and you can't even agree on what it means to hurt somebody. It, it's pretty crazy. In our culture today, every man, every woman for themselves, no absolutes, no rules, no guidelines, and of course, no commandments. Come on, nobody agrees that anything is a command. Uh, this confusion, this aimlessness, this pointlessness uh, points to our lack of agreement, that uh, there even should be rules or principles that we all should live by. That's why that little silly scenario, everybody's playing their own game, it does mirror where we're at today. This morning, uh, we arrive in Exodus chapter 20 uh, in our journey with Moses. Uh, in Exodus chapter 20, you can locate that with me if you want, we, uh, we find the Lord giving the law to Moses. And then the Mos Moses received from the Lord and delivers to his people God's expectations, uh, God's basic rules, how to live their best life, uh, God's way of living for his people to follow. This is God's design of living so that they could be blessed. Uh, if you're able, would you please stand with me right now? We're going to read out loud together God's top ten list. That starts in verse 1 of Exodus 20, and we're going to read all the way down to verse 18, okay? This is God's word, his top 10 list for us. Then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected. Even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest, dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, 
your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Honor your father and mother. Then you'll live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, neither a female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. When the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance, trembling with fear. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, blessing us with the old section of your book. And we realize that all of Scripture, Genesis to Revelation, is inspired. Thank you for giving us and give us insight as we dig into what we just read out loud together. Help us to understand how your top ten list should be affecting us today. Um, we invite your spirit, Lord, to come. We welcome you today in your church. Come take charge of our hearts, our souls, our minds, our wills. We ask that Jesus Christ would be lifted high today in, in your church. And all the church family gathered at Walloon Lake said with one united voice, Amen. you can be seated. So what is the purpose of God's top ten list? What's, what is it about the Ten Commandments that we should know following Jesus 4,000 years after Moses delivered them to his chosen people of Israel? Um, how should we view them? How should they affect our lives? That's the question we're going to try to answer today. I'd begin... Uh, here's what Jesus said about the law of Moses, Matthew chapter 5. We'll put it up here on the screen. He says, don't mister, misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So, if you ignore the least command and teach others to do the same, you'll be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's law and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Okay? Important stuff here. Jesus tells us clearly, I didn't come to earth to abolish or get rid of the Old Testament. Okay? Instead, he says, I came to accomplish the purpose of the Old Testament. Listen, Jesus came to fulfill the Ten Commandments. Jesus came to completely uh, accomplish them perfectly, but without sin. In other words, 
when we're going to look back at Exodus chapter 20, at the giving of these Ten Commandments, we're going to look back at them and we're going to view them with our Jesus glasses on. That's what these are, Jesus glasses, okay? So we look back at the Ten Commandments with our Jesus glasses on. We're going to see how Jesus accomplished and completed and fulfilled the Ten Commandments, okay? Let me suggest three ways that we can view the Ten Commandments for us today, okay? First, uh, we can view them as a horse with a bit and a bridle. Got that? See that? Okay. Uh, the, br- the bit and the bridle. The bit cuts and puts pressure on the horse's mouth. Okay, I'm not a great horseman, but I can read pretty good. And here's what it says. Uh, when, when the rider is putting pressure, the horse goes in the direction usually that the rider is guiding them with. So the pressure and the pain will cease. The Ten Commandments serve as bit and bridle in our lives today, okay? When we're prone to wander, when we're prone to stray from the path that Jesus has laid out for us, these commands, these Ten Commandments, um, they remind us uncomfortably that we no longer are wild stallions, okay? Some of you might not have been as wild as some of us, like Ron uh, and, and myself, but We used to be wild stallions, but now Jesus has broke through, and now he has broken us, and now we're called to listen and obey. And when I'm tempted to stray, I feel the pressure. I feel the pain of disobedience. It's sort of like this. Um, Have you ever gone and given a cashier, you're going to pay for an item, and, and said you're going to pay, and you give them a $10 bill, And they give you change for a 20. And now you're thinking right now, A, uh, this probably is a good lesson for this person. They're going to wind up 10 bucks short. That's a wild stallion thought, right, Sid? Or, you know, all the times I've probably been cheated and I didn't catch them. This is my opportunity for payback. So now it serves you right. Okay? And now this is all going through your your head quickly, okay? And, and uh, then you go, no, 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 I, I, I gave you a 10, not a 20. And oftentimes you got to argue with them. No, no, I promise you, uh, yeah, you gave me too much money back. Here it is. Now as you're walking out of the store or out of the restaurant, you got this little grandpa, uh, granddaughter pony, and they said, you know, Papa, if you had taken that money, that would have been stealing, right? And I'm thinking, yep, that would have been stealing. Where did you know that? Where did that come from? How did you know that that was stealing? Exodus 20, verse 15. You know it because God's word has laid it down. You must not steal. Again, God's word, and especially the Ten Commandments, serve as spurs and bits to keep our old prone-to-wander sinful nature in check. It's, it's good for us. It really is. Second way that uh, I think we can view the Ten Commandments is uh, it's God's mirror. Um, and uh, I borrowed a mirror from my bride. Thank you very much, Dee. Uh, I'm going to try not to break it. 
Uh, but anyway, what's a mirror do? It reveals what's there. Oh, boy. You look and you see, you know, yeah, I can see what I had for dinner last night. There's some corn on the cob. Mm, a little bit of steak. Got some romaine lettuce there. Yeah. Yeah. And you look and you say, the beard's kind of scruffy. I missed a few spots. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really, really should uh, do something about those pimples. They're not looking so good. And the, the hair's a mess. Uh, it's going to be a hat day. Um, put the mirror down. Ah, who cares? I'm going to head off to my job interview. That's one way we can treat what we see in the mirror, you know? Ah, uh, oh, well, it's not going to really be that bad, is it? Uh, here's what James says about the mirror of God's Word, James 1, 22 to 25. But don't just listen to God's Word. You must do what it says. You just looked, okay? Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves, for if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. Oh, could use some work. You see yourself, you walk away, you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, God's going to bless you for it. Okay? James says, now this is good. Anyone who looks into the mirror of God's word, and then you forget what you saw, the trouble that it reveals, it's like the person getting up in the morning and you go, oh, my hair's a mess, uh, the beard is awful, the teeth need brushing, uh, the pimples need popping, um, nah, who cares? Ten commandments serve as God's perfect mirror. To expose the ugly parts of our lives so that we can fix them with the Lord's help. Here's what Jeremiah 17 tells us, okay? 17.9, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Here's the truth. We humans, we have the ability to deceive and lie even to ourselves. We can even talk ourselves into believing lies. I'm telling you, our hearts are desperately deceitful and wicky. wicked. Excuse me, it's wicky too. But anyway, we can justify amazing things. We can do things and have excuses, and here's why. We justify sinful habits, wicked behaviors. Then we hold up the mirror of God's Word, and suddenly now, I'm feeling convicted, you know? This, this word of God, the Ten Commandments, reveals the lying and the shading of truth. Exodus 20, verse 6. It exposes false idols. Anything we're loving more than Jesus and getting meaning out of. I'm telling you, the Ten Commandments shines light on our jealousy and our lust for other people's stuff. For our jealousy and envy, chapter 20, verse 17 of Exodus. God's word, it looks deep down. God's word is God's mighty mirror that forces us to look deeply in places we just as soon not look. 
Yeah, I, I'm just going to put the hat on and go about my day. God's word says, no, you're not. I want you to look deeply and do something about it. Third way we can see the Ten Commandments. It's God's GPS in a lost and an aimless world. Once upon a time, if you were traveling, put up there, Caleb. We've got a map, hopefully. You had to use a map. Anybody uh, getting good with maps? Do we have the map of Michigan there? We don't. We're going to keep moving on. So quickly, we got rid of maps. <laughs> and then I got my Garmin GPS. And that's what I navigated uh, the world with for about, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 years. Okay? Now, now where do you have your, your GPS, most of us? It's on, your, it's on your phone. Yeah, you don't have to have a special GPS. Anyway, I had my Garmin GPS. It was working great. We're traveling down. We're uh, just outside of Jacksonville, Florida. I'm not paying attention because my Mr. Garmin, that's what I called him, he was humming along doing great. Okay? And now we're just about to Jacksonville, Florida. And this is where it comes into the bypass and 95. This is where you really need Mr. Garmin to do his stuff, okay? And now, suddenly, a thunderstorm, and it's raining sharks and alligators. And my Garmin GPS says, lost satellite, recalculating, lost satellite. Just when you needed it, you got nothing. And that's the true story. I wound up, I was so lost, we had to pull off to the side of the road and let the storm pass before my GPS was back up. Mr. Garmin was feeling like he was working again, and now we could go on to where we were going. Listen close. The Ten Commandments are God's map. The Ten Commandments are God's compass. The Ten Commandments is God's supernatural GPS that always lead us back to Jesus and the cross and the empty tomb. Locate with me Romans chapter 8. I want to show you what, what Paul says. Romans chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. Here's what Paul reminds us. And this is a good thing for us to know and to have. The law of Moses, verse 3, was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. The law, the Ten Commandments can't save because our old nature is too weak. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead now follow the Spirit. That's powerful stuff, okay? The law, the Ten Commandments, shows us we can't accomplish what God has laid out. We can't do the Ten Commandments in our own power. 
All of us have fallen short. And the Ten Commandments is just clear. No, no, you've fallen short. All of us have lied. Can I see hands of all the liars here today? At least one time in your life, have you ever lied? I'm looking at you, balcony. I'm looking at you, okay? We've all lied. We've all coveted other people's stuff. Let me see your hands. You, you're something you've looked at and said, boy, I wish I had that. I wish I could play piano like Susan, and you're really coveting that. I'm telling you, most of us have misused God's name. I would say all of us, but maybe some of you have done better than me. Um, and I think most of us uh, have gotten smart with our parents, okay? Again, you got God's top ten list. It just reminds us, nope, failed there. Nope, messed up there. Missed the mark there. The Ten Commandments convince us of our desperate need of Jesus Christ in our lives every day. It just shows us. No, no, no. Here's how Pastor James Montgomery Boyce explained it in his commentary. The law sets forth the perfect standard of righteousness, revealed by the Father, kept perfectly by his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. <laughs> wow. Only Jesus fulfilled all Ten Commandments perfectly. Only Jesus uh, qualifies to be the sinless Lamb of God, worthy to take our place on the cross, worthy to allow His blood to be shed and cover and wash and cleanse all of our sins. Okay? The Ten Commandments show us that we're all slaves and prisoners of our old sinful nature. Okay? But Jesus came to redeem and purchase us out of bondage to our old sinful flesh. Now he says, okay, I'm purchasing you out. I'm going to make you a part of my royal family. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit to make you heirs and receivers of my eternal kingdom. And it's the law that makes us realize how desperately we need Jesus Christ. It's kind of like, let's say, who here has a tendency to go a little faster than you should when you drive? Can I see your hands, please? Yeah, okay. And, and you know, if someone's not holding their hand up, call them out right now. Get your hand up. Okay. Okay, so you're, you're heading to church and you get pulled over by uh, an officer and you say, um, I was only going five miles per hour over and the officer said, sorry, here's your ticket. Thank you. You show up in court and you say the same thing to the judge. Your Honor, I was only going five miles over the speed limit. And judge says, you know what? I hear you, but that's the law. Pay 110 bucks. Too bad. So sad. Um, and so you argue that's not fair, but you still are getting out your checkbook. But as you start to write the check, the cop who wrote the ticket comes over to you and he says, you know what, uh, I'm going to pay your fine for you. So he hands the clerk $110 and he said, if you're okay, I'm going to pay your fine for you. You don't have to pay the debt, I'm going to pay that for you. So the policeman earned the money, now he's offering to pay the $110 for your penalty. But you still must accept it before it's applied to your account. Do you understand? You're going to have to say, 
okay, okay, I'll, I'll accept your free gift, and I can either take it or I can reject it, but that's my call. Can I tell you that's exactly what Jesus offers us? That's exactly. He paid the penalty for our sin, okay? And it wasn't 110 bucks. It was death. It was eternal separation from God Almighty. That's the, the penalty for our transgression. All we have to do is accept the free gift that Jesus is offering us. Now, here's the question. Will you accept the free gift that Jesus has offered for you? He came, he said, I know that was your sin. You missed the mark. That was your transgression. But will you accept this free gift of eternal salvation that I'm offering for you? Will you believe today that Jesus took your place on that cross? Here's the great news, and uh, we have these little books up here. It's called Bridge to Life, in a very clear and uh, easy and illustrated way. It can show you why you need to say yes to what Jesus has done, and how you can say yes to what Jesus has offered, and, and then how to get started on the, the right road once you've accepted Christ. Um, if you're watching online, if you'll give us your address, um, we'll get you one of these booklets. Jody will happily send you booklets. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. You're welcome, Jody. Um, and if you're here in person, just come on up and I'll, I'll get you one. I'd love to have you have that. If you need that explained or make your way over to the prayer corner, we'd love to talk to you about accepting the free gift that Jesus has paid for, for you and for me. The Ten Commandments, horse, bitten, bridle. Remember, the horse is wild, and now it's been broken, and it reminds us, no, no, I'm no longer a wild stallion. I can't just live however I want anymore. That's what the Ten Commandments does for us. It's like a mirror. It exposes the ugly stuff that we might try to ignore, and yet the Ten Commandments shows our sinful garbage uh, the ugly stuff that needs to be dealt with. And finally, the Ten Commandments are like a GPS pointing us back to Jesus and the cross and the empty tomb. Reminding us, you know what? I can't save myself. The Ten Commandments can't save me, but it points me to Jesus Christ who can save us. And he's willing to do that even today. Bow your heads. Touch your eyes as we close. We've all sinned and fallen short, especially when you start looking at the top 10. Most of us have messed up in several of them, maybe even all of them. All of us fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 is clear. But here's the great news. Jesus Christ built the bridge to eternal life. He took our place on the cross, shed his blood to wash, cleanse, purify all of our sins, took our place in the grave early Sunday morning, 
literally, bodily, physically, victoriously, he rose from the dead. He did that for me. He did that for you. Why? Because he wanted to pay the price for our sin, for our speeding. He's going to pay our ticket. He already has done that. The question is, will you accept what he's done for you? Will you by faith believe? Will you welcome and receive his eternal life? If you're watching online where it says, I want to follow Jesus, you got to hit, hit the raise the hand button right now. You can do that. If you're here in person, you can make your way and see me or Pastor Chad or Brandt, Pastor Brandt. We've got the prayer corner, folks. We've got friends ready to help you get going on your new journey. With your eyes shut, you can just say, Lord Jesus, I believe. I believe the gospel facts for me. I believe you took my place, shed your blood, took my place in the tomb and early Sunday morning, Jesus. I believe that you arose from the dead. You did that for me. And by faith right now, I believe those facts and now I throw open the door of my life and I receive you. I welcome you with passion and excitement. Come into my life. Be my Savior and Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Give me eternal life. I choose to follow you starting right now. Thank you, Lord, for the Ten Commandments. Thank you, Lord, that they constantly get us back on track. And thank you, Lord, that uh, you've allowed us to have them today. And they're still alive. And they're still quick and powerful in affecting our hearts, our minds, and our wills. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.